unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. The interesting thing is that Jesus's family lived in Nazareth, in the Galilee, in the in the Northern Kingdom, um, really? and and they always made pilgrimage to the temple um, in the south. Okay. They made that pilgrimage. I didn't realize that so, Nazareth was in it's the in north the north. Kingdom. Yeah, it's okay. in the north. So that's one of the reasons why the Jews of Judea were so critical of Jesus being from Galilee. You know. What oh. good can come from Nazareth is just a tiny little town, and it's in Samaria. It's, it's Gentiles, you know. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Saints Unscripted. Uh, we're back during the Christmas season for another episode of our Christ series. And this is our good friend, Gail, and she is here to talk about Jesus as... A Jew. And this is kind of an interesting take. This is something that I had actually never really considered before. We were talking about it just before the episode. And she was kind of making me question my whole reality and everything that I had ever known about Jesus and the Bible leading up to Jesus. So what is the importance of Jesus's Jewishness? Okay, so the reason I'm here is that I'm a Jewish convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you have my conversion video yes. that you can link to. Um, and as a Jewish convert, I've studied a lot of the Old Testament, and I lived in Israel for eight years. Um, so I know about all the places and the people and, and the traditions and how people think and what they do, um, yeah. the culture. And, and so I have a, a pretty good sense of of the context of Christ's ministry and the way that he set things up for the Israelites to accept his teachings. Okay. So we're going to do a little history, but I'm going to zip through it really, really fast. It has it's to important. happen. Yes. It's really we important. we got to set the stage. <laughs> it's important. So don't like skip over this part because it, it's not going to be awful. It's just it's going to be pretty fast. So you remember that um, the story of Joseph, who was sold into Egypt, and, yeah. and he invited his father, Jacob, and his brothers and everyone to come down into Egypt. So there were 70 people who arrived in Egypt, okay. and a few million by the time they left after 400 years. Right. They just so multiplied. they went into the wilderness for the exodus to, um, to get to the land that, that God had promised them. And... Um, you can actually walk that distance in a couple of weeks. But they spent it's, 40 years out there. They spent 40 years. <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> they were doing a 40-year family home evening lesson about the plan of salvation. <laughs> okay. Is what they were doing. Long enough for the older generation to die off because they couldn't get Egypt out of their system. Mm. So while they were there, they were being constantly taught. So we know that... Christ was the God of the Old Testament, that when, when God is speaking in the Old Testament, it's Jehovah or, or Christ, the premortal Christ, and, and he gave them the law of Moses. So that law did not come from Moses, it came from Christ. And so when people think of that law as being a severe and harsh law, a law, to, law of retribution, and then Christ came and gave the law of love, they've got the whole thing messed up. Don't ever say in a Sunday school class, 
that the law of Moses was an eye for an eye, and then Jesus came and gave the law of love and did away with the law of Moses. Right. The law of Moses seems harsh to us, mostly because we don't read the Old Testament all the way through. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of the big sins of the Latter-day Saint culture, is that we just don't read the Old Testament. And yet we spend more time in it than most Christian churches do. Yeah. Most that's... don't pay any attention except for the great stories, Jonah and the Whale, and, and things like that. Yeah. So um, in Leviticus um, 19, uh, 18, it says, and this is the beginning of the law of Moses, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hmm. So that's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? It's a verse that's probably it's overlooked. It's the beginning of the law of Moses. So, really? So the law of Moses made all kinds of plans to take care of people who couldn't take care of themselves. So widows, the poor, um, the unfortunate servants, um, people who are being accused of a crime, uh, people who are victims. So if you live the law of Moses, you don't have any prisons. And that's really a wonderful, wonderful thing. So it, the way that it works is, let's say I kill your ox. Okay. That's so and rude. You, you needed that. No, right? <laughs> yeah. I just killed it. You were plowing with your ox and uh -huh. you were, you were using it in your, on your farming and, and everything. And I killed it. So I need to make restitution to you for that lost ox and and in under the law of moses you make restitution fourfold i owe you four oxen and until i can do that to repent and this is part of my repentance um until i can do that i need to plow your fields for you i need to do every arrange for everything that that ox was doing and then the crime is taken care of interesting right? okay i'm not i didn't go to jail and you never got an ox again Right, because you can't do much good when you're in jail. Right, but you get a good feeling because I'm in jail because I did this terrible thing, but that's all you get. Right. If I have to take care of your fields for you until I can replace fourfold what I destroyed, then then you got something. The victim was compensated. And the Law of Moses is all set up like that. Hmm. That's the, the foundation of the Gospel of Christ. So if you picture the Gospel of Christ like a temple... The law of Moses is the foundation. Okay. So he, so Christ did away with blood sacrifice, but all the rest is foundational. It all has to do with living the law of sacrifice as we pay tithing, um, and what you do to repent, and what you do to be fair, and to care for each other, and things like that. And so, okay. in our doctrine and covenants, the Lord reiterates a, a number of laws from the law of Moses that we should keep. The law of tithing is part of the law of Moses. Um, in section 27 of the Doctrine and Covenants, um, God tells Joseph Smith not to buy wine from his enemies. That's a law of Moses. Really? Yes. And then the law of, of, retrib of retribution, of coming against someone who comes against you and how many times you have to forgive. That's all Mosaic law. Huh. So he's reiterated a lot of these things. Okay, so, so Christ, the God of the Old Testament, sets up this Mosaic law. Um, and there's there's punishments, severe punishments, if they if they transgress this law because they were very stiff-necked people and they they had to have these strict parameters. Yeah. Another thing he did was set up seven festivals, and those festivals are full of imagery of Christ's first coming and his second coming. And actually, when you think of the day of Pentecost, which is the the Feast of Weeks. Mm -hmm. um, the reason so many people converted when when the apostles were speaking in tongues and they were overwhelmed by the Holy Ghost 
is that that's the imagery of the the Jewish holiday. And they were fulfilling it. And the people go, wait, we were taught about this. We've been doing this holiday for thousands of years. Huh. And, and this is it, you know. And so they converted in the thousands when they realized that connection. Interesting. Okay, so Christ sets this all up. And, and what he's trying to create is a nation of priests um, in the wilderness. So when Jacob, who, who was renamed Israel, was going to pass on, he gave blessings to his 12 sons. And to Judah... He said, um, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from beneath his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. So that's essentially the second coming of Christ. Okay. That Judah will always have the scepter. So all the kings essentially came from, from the tribe of Judah. And it was all a foreshadowing of, of the king of kings, Jesus Christ. Right. So you have the Exodus and the Israelites inheriting property in, in the Holy Land. That was all a portion, and Judah got his portion first. So the, so Judah's inheritance included Jerusalem, and it was probably the largest piece of property. Right. Um, um, and, and then that was the seat of government. Uh, David's center of government was just kind of on the southwest side of, of Jerusalem towards Bethlehem. So... So that property essentially is called Judea. And so it got to be that anyone from Judea was called a Jew, even if they weren't from Ju Judah. Okay. So so it, the, the Israelites kind of get lost as you go through history. And, and I'm going to go through that history really, really fast. So all of, those, all of those tribes of Israel settle after the Exodus. You have years and you have judges and, and, and a lot of time goes by. Um, you have King Saul, and then when you have King David, the, the kingdom enters into this kind of glorious time where they're, they're respected among the, the nations. And when you talk about people that, that the, the Jews idolize, the, the, who are the most important in their tradition, you automatically think about Moses and Elijah, and they're very, very important. But the one who really captures the imagination is David. So when a when a Jewish boy gets bar mitzvah at age thirteen, they sing David David um, lives and continues. Um, okay. Um, David king of the the world, you know, lives and continues. There because it's David who's who really catches the imagination, and the Messiah is expected to be just like him, except okay. with these these abilities to bring peace into the in the world and everything. So you have the Israelites settled. You have King David. And and then in in 930 BC, that whole network of mostly the ten tribes in the north and and the Jews and Benjamin in the south, um, the, the 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 kingdom split. Right. So you have the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Now something happened when they split that is really important. Um, the kings of the north did not want their their the members of their society to go down to the south to Jerusalem to worship. So they set up their own places of worship in Samaria and Dan. So Samaria, you know, it's essentially the West Bank today. Um, mm, yeah. It's west of the Dead Sea and north of the Dead Sea. Mm -hmm. That area in Samaria, which was their capital up there, um, they set up an idol and, and another one in Dan, which is way up north. Um, of of golden calves. So they were not worshiping Jehovah. They were, but the symbol was the golden calf. Okay. This is the God who delivered you 
out of Egypt. Interesting. So okay. you get a little wishy-washy about about really centering on on no other gods before me, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, when that happened, you had a bunch of people in the north who were really, really faithful. And so they moved down into Judea to be near the temple. Because it was technically against the rules to worship <laughs> outside of Jerusalem, right? Well, you could. There were there were places, and there were even places where they had sacrifices outside of Jerusalem. Okay. So that's not so big of a deal, but to be able to access the temple for your pilgrimages and things like that. Um, a lot of people who were really sincere worshipers moved to Judea, even though they were members of the of the other ten tribes okay. that, that we think of. And Benjamin was always down around there too. And they eventually, because they're in Judea, come to be known as Jews. As Jews, yes. Okay. And so your 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 descendancy could be through Joseph, just like Lehi's was. He was a descendant of Joseph, but he was a Jew because he was from Judea. He was okay. from Jerusalem. Got it. Okay. Follow. So the the interesting thing is that so this happened in 930 BC and it continued that the, that those countries were split and they were enemies. They fought each other fairly often, or or allied with someone else, you know, to to come against each other. But the interesting thing is that Jesus's family lived in Nazareth in the Galilee in the in the northern kingdom. Um, really. And and they always made pilgrimage to the temple. Um, in the south, okay. they made that pilgrimage. I didn't realize it's, that Nazareth was in, it's the, in north the north. Kingdom. Yeah, it's okay. in the north. So that's one of the reasons why the Jews of Judea were so critical of Jesus being from Galilee. You know, what oh. good can come from Nazareth? It's just a tiny little town, and it's in Samaria. It's, it's Gentiles. You know. Okay. So experts have wondered. Scholars have wondered whether maybe um, the family in their past, you know, through past generations, had been been um, like petty bureaucrats for the government um, in in Judah to have representatives in the north or something like that. They're trying to figure out why they're up there hmm. because they were Jews. Okay, but so they, they were and definitely... John the Baptist's family, who was was their cousins, right. lived in Judea. Okay, so so, so scholars are always there. trying. To, yeah, cousins are all hmm. you know. So so they were cousins, but. John the Baptist's family still lived in Judea, and Christ's family was in the north. So scholars are always trying to deal with that, you know, huh. how they ended up up there. Okay. So that's really an interesting, kind of an interesting But we don't have thing. answers for that. We don't have answers for that, no. So then in 732, the Assyrians came in and, and brutally wiped out the whole northern kingdom. And they did a population transfer. They put people, people loyal to them. In, in the northern kingdom and and pulled out scattered the you scattered might say. yeah and scat <laughs> well they eventually scattered they pulled out most of the ten lost tribe that we call lost tribes now um, even though a, a portion of them are still in one unit others have scattered okay. all over the world so when that happened and they put this their own population in there they intermarried with the with the Israelites who were still left up there. And they became, in the eyes of the Jews of the South, mongrels. As mud far bloods. as, yes, mudbloods. No one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. <laughs> and, and, and there were lots of problems with the Samaritans in that they, they fought against building the, the temple um, later on, all, all different kinds of disagreements. They built a temple of their own, um, all kinds of, you know, problems with it. But... That's where that's the origination of okay. those problems. Then in 640, in the southern kingdom, you have King Josiah. He's the one who found the scriptures in the temple. 
the temple had kind of turned into a storage unit at that point. There, there were times that, that covered hundreds of years where the whole kingdom was, was non-observant of their faith. You know, they hmm. all lost, essentially lost their faith. And, and King Josiah was kind of a reformer. But scholars now think that when he found those scriptures and rent his clothes because they weren't living anything near the way that they were supposed to live. Right. Um, I remember that. That story. the reformers who pulled out those scriptures kind of stripped those scriptures of the most spiritual parts. So the ministering of angels and the and the resurrection and the and the gifts of the spirit and everything um, seem to have disappeared and all you've got left is the law and so the focus is really on the law, and the law law is great it's super to have law, but that you have to have mercy too you know and and so those more merciful spiritual parts they think were taken out at the time of Josiah that's important because. That's the, the religion that Christ wanted them to have is diminished into something that's more lockstep, more um, more harsh. Okay. So, so they've changed it. I'm sure that didn't make Christ very very happy. Then in 600 BC, um, you have um, the Babylonians coming in, and they came in three times. And the reason they came in three times is they got angrier and angrier and angrier at the Jews because the Jews are hard to rule. And they keep, you know, oh, yeah, you think you're going to rule us, you know. <laughs> yeah. So then they, they come in again, and, and they do something worse, and they come in again, do something worse like that. That's when Lehi leaves for 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 the American continent. Um, and a big deal happens when the Babylonians take um, the, the kingdom of Judea and overwhelm it and destroy the temple and everything. And that is, they take everybody that's worth anything. They just leave the very poor and indigent behind in Jerusalem. They take anybody who can work or who can think or whatever into Babylon. And during that 70 years in, in Babylon, the Jews stop, stop understanding Hebrew, which is the language of the scriptures, and they start speaking Aramaic. Okay. Um, when they speak Aramaic, then they need somebody to teach them the scriptures because the, they need somebody who can read Hebrew and then teach them the scriptures. So that's when Got you start it. getting rabbis and sages and, and the sages, the scribes, could read Hebrew, they could do contracts and everything, but they also could teach the scriptures in Aramaic after they read them in Hebrew. Okay. Um, so then... It, uh, every time that something like this happens, Jews spread out. Um, and so then you have in, in 330, Alexander the Great conquers everything from Egypt all the way over to India. And it all becomes Greek. And I mean Greek in every way, in, in their culture, um, in their building, in the language, everybody's speaking Greek. Cleopatra like Cleopatra and Mark Antony, right. was Greek. She was Ma Macedonian Greek. Okay. All the pharaohs of Egypt were Greek um, from the time of Alexander the Great. And so, too. Yeah, you, yes, <laughs> you don't picture that. And pe they're doing another movie about Cleopatra, and everybody's angry that Gal Gadot is going to um, be Cleopatra because they think she should be black. Um, Cleopatra, but she was Greek. because she's African, <laughs> or she should look like an Egyptian, but she was Greek. She okay. was a Macedonian Greek. So, um, and matter of fact, she was one of the first pharaohs who bothered to learn Egyptian from that time on, from Alexander the Greek. So, especially right. in northern the Northern Kingdom, 
many of the cities are Greek. Okay. And they're living like Greeks. And, and there's lots of Greek influence down in Judea. So the Sadducees were the rich guys. And they really bought into modern culture. Okay. And so their homes look like Greek homes, even in Jerusalem. So you would have the Greek designs and the statuaries and, you know, everything. So, so when you picture Jesus coming into a society, yes, the Romans were ruling, but everything was Greek. Okay. And Greek was the language of the marketplace. Um, so you would have had to speak Greek if you were selling something in the marketplace or if you were doing any business. You would have had to speak Aramaic um, to just get along with your Jewish friends. You would have had to speak Hebrew to, to read the scriptures. And you would have had to speak Latin to speak with any of the, any of the Roman prefects. The so oh I'm gosh. sure Jesus just moved you know, from, from language to language easily because he was, had, had to interact with That's crazy. all of those people. Okay, so when Alexander died, that split into the, the, the eastern part, the, the Syrian Greeks were always attacking Israel. Um, people fought back, just normal people, the Maccabees, just farmers. Right. And they won, and they became kings, became corrupt over hundreds of years, and they were having so much trouble ruling, essentially they invited the Romans in. Okay. So the Romans just walked in. They didn't have to kill anybody. But, so they didn't conquer, they just, okay. Walked in and said, yeah, we're in charge now, things are going to run right. Okay. okay. So into this world, Jesus is born. And the Jews are still under Roman rule and all of that. And so you know all of the conflict with that. Right. But so Jesus is establishing the kingdom of God. And he already set this all up during the Exodus. He called the Levites to do certain jobs. He called high priests. He set up the whole thing. And then he went completely around those guys and never used any of them when he was setting up his kingdom, um, when he was starting his ministry. So he never used any Levites. And, he never used any high priests. And was that to subvert expectations, or was that because the Jews had created their because own Because it was version? all corrupt. He okay. couldn't use any anything that they had created. So, so, wow. so like Caiaphas purchased his high priesthood from the Greco-Syrians because they needed money. They just the guys in charge all bought their positions. So that wasn't because they were righteous. It was because they were rich. So wow. and they guarded those positions. So so Caiaphas's whole family had been high priests. I mean, they were his father-in-law was a high priest. Annas and his you know I mean just they kept buying the priesthood essentially. So only one do we see who had a proper order, and that is John the Baptist, because he was a Levite. <laughs> but while the Jews had a ritual bath called the mik mikveh, um, it was a ritual bath for purification, and you went into it yourself. Nobody helped you. So you would do that before the holidays to, to, to purify yourself. When you were coming out of a time of uncleanliness or something, you would go into the ritual bath. It was living water and everything. Here you have John the Baptist baptizing unto receiving the Holy Ghost and, and to introduce Christ. And so it's a total bending of everything that the Jews were already doing. Okay. So you could say that they already had a form of baptism, that ritual bath you do when you convert to Judaism. Interesting. But John but the Baptist wasn't doing it right. He was administering it to other people. Yes. And they and, were just like And it anyone. was for a different reason. He was in living water. He was in the tributary of the Jordan, you know, but he was he was putting them under with this blessing of 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 you're you're well you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. 
and and be a member of this kingdom, new kingdom of God. So the reason the Pharisees were visiting all the time was this, it was just a total corruption. And this was totally outside their authority. Then you have Jesus calling as his apostles, fishermen, tax collectors, um, just people who have no part in this order that had been created. So then you have Jesus condemning these leaders. I mean, the things he said to them are so insulting. I'm just horrible things that Christ said to the leaders, uh, the Jewish leaders, like they were white sepulchers, and they were, they were you know, horrible, horrible people, the things that he called them. So because they had corrupted the law, they were judging people according to their tradition. And they were stealing from the treasury, the the, the tithing. They were stealing it. I mean, it was just a mess. And it, it comes to a culmination at Jesus' own trial because there is trial law in the law of Moses, and it's very, very detailed. So you have to have a friend in court if you're accused. You have to be tried in a certain place a certain time. If you're found guilty of a capital crime, they have to come back again the next day and do it over again mm. because they want to give give the, the, the accused every possibility of defending himself. And they broke all of these laws in the trial of Christ. So here's Christ, the lawgiver. He's God. He's the and they're judge judging of the world. him. He's the judge of the world. And they're judging him according to the law that he gave them. And they're breaking them all in order to crucify him. So this is not on the heads of the Jews. This is on the heads of their bad, bad shepherds. Hmm. Um, and in the scriptures, it talks about your, your shepherds are corrupt. You know, So that's what they, the shepherds had done with everything that Christ had given them up to then. But those Jewish holidays and their imagery converted thousands of Jews to follow Christ. Wow. Christ imposed himself in the holiday ceremonies with the big flaming menorahs on the temple mount he went and said i'm the light in the water libation he said i'm the water you know he kept imposing himself and people went wait we've been learning about that for thousands of years this is this is the messiah yeah and so people were converting from what they learned before but not through these corrupt leaders wow that's amazing i love that Thank you so much. Thanks for coming <laughs> back on. Uh, if you guys are interested, uh, go ahead and check out Dale's conversion story. Um, but uh, stay tuned. We've got a lot of episodes about Jesus Christ this Christmas season. So stay tuned for our next one. And thanks again. Let us know if you have any questions or comments down in the section below. And uh, you have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.